0: Welcome to Chapter Three of HealthSystemsCIO.com's interview with Joe Kavidar, VP of Connected Health at Partners Healthcare. In this segment, he talks about why statistics on the rise of mobile adoption can be misleading. What are the biggest hurdles to improving patient engagement and how they can be overcome? And his advice for CIOs on how they can better navigate the brave new digital world. It's interesting. It's been 10 years since the iPhone was introduced, and the amount of of change we've seen in that time has been absolutely
1: extraordinary. Extraordinary, yeah, yeah.
0: For physicians dealing with patients of different ages, different preferences, I I can still imagine that it must be so challenging because not everybody is on board with this or really wants to engage that way. Would you say that that, that's really something that we're going to kind of continue to grapple with?
1: Oh, absolutely. I, I'm glad you brought it up because it seems like every market research firm publishes numbers that are optimistic about digital health adoption. And, and I and I don't mean to say they're wrong, but they're looking at a typically a segment of the population that is enthusiastic adopters of these tools. Right, right now, you really see the market for digital health on the patient consumer side as being people who are engaged and interested, whether it be fitness buffs, quantified selfers, uh, those those people who have an illness and are motivated and determined on their own to do something about it. That's what's driving all the interest in everything from Withings to Fitbit to all, all of these other tools. What we deal with as healthcare providers every day, we don't get to choose just those people, right? We have another very important population of people who are either just too sick, or they're checked out, or they don't have, want anything to do with digital, or they're afraid their data is going to get stolen, or you name it. And designing products and programs and in- interventions that bring those people on board is critical because they all, they're the, if you remember, the 5% of people that drive 40% of healthcare care costs. That's them. Right. And so if we just happily celebrate the digital health newbies and fitness buffs and whatnot. That's, again, nothing wrong with that, but we're not really getting at the heart of our cost problem and and the real opportunity, which, as I said earlier, is to help people manage multiple chronic illnesses with these tools. But things have to be designed completely differently for that because, number one, most of them have no proclivity to get excited about quantitative information or about wearables or about mobile or Any of the things that those of us who are enthusiastic put up with, like having to pair something with your Bluetooth five times or having to download something and sign in, and all of that stuff has got to be made much more easy for that segment to adopt. And, you know, we're working on some of those things, but we continually learn the same lessons, which is it's different. We're reminding them they're sick. This whole set of technologies is reminding them they're sick. It's also reminding them that they have some opportunity for accountability. Some people find that scary. We, we just had one of our research assistants blog about a, a story that is very timely here where she said there was a group we enrolled in a, in a trial we're doing. It's that home blood pressure monitoring program I mentioned earlier. And It turns out it was a couple, but it was the husband that was the patient. And Every time the blood pressure was high, they ran to the wall and unplugged the hub device so that it wouldn't upload because they didn't want the doctor to know that the blood pressure was high. Oh, wow. Right? And, of course, it turns out that the hub device saves them all and transmits them when you plug it back in the wall. But the point of the story was how these data are creating a new version of truth, and that's sometimes hard. So there's a lot of psychology for managing chronic illness this way, and and we have to overcome a lot of it. That's not to say that uh, it should all be a negative twist, but it's not. Again, just to conflate the fact that kids use Snapchat and Instagram with success in digital health, uh, we're not nearly there.
0: Right. When you think about that, the consumerism, that growing movement, what uh, encourages you as somebody who, who's been a physician for so long?
1: Several things are encouraging, I think. One uh, is that the wearables themselves are getting better at giving you insights as opposed to just a number. The original crop was designed, I would say for engineers by engineers. And engineers are very quantitative. I happen to be a quantitative person, so I didn't I, I missed this. I was all excited to track everything on, uh, under the sun. And then a friend of mine who uh, is, is in, in the world of uh, communications and marketing, she pointed out to me that you know most of the population doesn't give a hoot about these numbers. And that's true, so you've got wearables coming out like the spire which tells you about stress, it, it, it tracks respiration, but it doesn't tell you respiration, it tells you about stress and, and other examples of new tools that are helping with things like pain relief or tracking when you might have an epileptic seizure, things like that. So that's encouraging. The second is it's it's becoming easier, as I said, for people to integrate those into the clinical systems environment. Companies like Validic or uh, Human API are creating easy ways to bring in those consumer devices so that we don't have to sweat integration for every single device. Uh, A third thing that I think is is interesting is this movement, as I said earlier, towards uh, real examples in our world of artificial intelligence. If we look back at what we were talking about with, with video and how FaceTime and Skype changed how people thought about video because it wasn't about patients, it was about your loved ones, right? You can FaceTime with your kids or your grandma or whoever. Right. And all of a sudden as we as society got used to that and that became something that you just did, all of a sudden clinicians could start to see it. now. Many people now have the Amazon Echo in their home, and they're talking to technology, and technology is doing things for them. New user interface, Siri, Alexa, Cortana, Google, all of those things are getting us more comfortable with this new AI-driven environment. So that's encouraging. And the last one that I'll mention is as much as we've said that doctors are a, we've sort of painted them as, as a group of laggards, They're coming on board. The AMA recently did a survey, and they surveyed, uh, I want to say, 1,300 of their members across multiple specialties, and so a very, very comprehensive view. And 45% of them are eager to do something in this space. 12% are doing something in this space. So all those numbers are not – we're not across the chasm to – to early majority yet, that's that's a good sign that there's a early adopter enthusiasm for connected health and digital health that we didn't see even two or three years ago. So I'd, I'd say there's lots of reasons to be optimistic.
0: Right. Really, really interesting. I'm sure that when you look back at those days when you were looking for something new, uh, I, I guess that, that you certainly found it with connected health.
1: And, and by the way, yes, when I started, I, I made a statement. I said, if we get this right, we we're talking about telemedicine at the time. And I said, if we get this right, we'll be out of a job because it won't be telemedicine. We don't talk about telebanking when we go to the ATM. Right. And we're still not quite there, but some of those early applications certainly are becoming mainstream part of healthcare. And yet there's a whole new set of interesting challenges that involve this journey that keep us. Uh, fresh, and that's part of the excitement. Is, is I'll have plenty to do for uh, another couple of decades, uh,
0: I think. Right. <laughs> yeah, I would think so. Okay. I could talk to you uh, for a lot longer, and there's so much to cover, but before we wrap up, did you have any other thoughts on how CIOs can navigate some of the challenges of this new world,
1: So there are some basic things that they will will be paying attention to that resonate here, things like security, privacy. And the reason for that is that if your CIO has gone through a BYOD journey, Mm -hmm. they'll be more comfortable with this new world because it involves patients linking into stuff. How do you support a patient who can't make a video connection? It involves patients wanting to upload device data. How do you know if the device is accurate and whether they can – you know, you're going to be blamed for someone hacking into their device. Will, will there be, if a patient starts uploading stuff through the portal, are you exposing some sort of channel where their stuff can leak back out and you'll get blamed for that? So really thinking about how to secure your network beyond your four walls, how to uh, have a, a data uh, integrity strategy that allows you to have conversations with patients and clinicians who want to participate in this space, whether again it be by video or by secure texting or by device uh, exchange of device data or by using a mobile app, what have you. I think that's that's pretty important and these days I would say every health system CIO should at least be familiar with the market options around virtual care and the sort of brand names out there, uh, uh, which you know well, American Well, Teladoc, MD Live, et cetera, at least vaguely familiar with what they're doing because there will be a time, if they're not already in that space, in the near future they will be in that space and they should be prepared to think through the IT implications of bringing a vendor like that on board to manage a virtual care implementation. thats As I said, that's assured to happen everywhere within the next few years, I would say. So I thought those are two important things to bring up.
0: Yeah, it's a really good point. And uh, even for organizations that maybe they're smaller and, and have a, a particularly strapped budget, whether it's partnering with, with other organizations or uh, any, anything else that could happen as far as you know, acquisitions, it's, it's really wise, you're saying, to, to just really know this market and be familiar with it and be ready.
1: Yeah, some, someone like your chief medical officer or your CEO walks in and says, what should we be doing about X? And you, you know the space or you look at them like a, a deer in the headlights and you don't want the latter.
0: Right. Again, I really appreciate it. I know that uh, you have so much going on, but thanks for the time. It's, I think this is going to be really useful for our, our uh, readers and listeners.
1: Great. Well, delighted to talk to you, and you have a good day.
0: All right. Thank you. You too. Bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com podcast.